Welcome to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the queer James Bond podcast. I'm Andrew Wheeler. And I'm Shane Holland. On this episode, we're not going to take it easy, Mr. Bond, as we discuss the ninth Ian Fleming Bond novel, or is it an Ian Fleming Bond novel, Thunderball. Mm. Before we get into that, Shane, have you been up for anything very Bondy this week? Well, Andrew, you know, I I was doing some dog sitting over the past weekend, and I discovered this little show. I can't believe oh, that God. you've never told me about it, that we've <sighs> never talked about it. I watched... <sighs> I watched two seasons of this little Apple TV Plus show, Slow Horses. Have you heard of it? Oh, tell me about it, Shane. He said through gritted, grinding teeth. Andrew, you are oh. 100% right. That show is fucking amazing. Jack Loudon. It's so good. He could be the next straight white Bond that I would be okay with. He is so <laughs> charming, uh, witty. Like He he just has this uh, innate sense of humor about him. Yeah. And he's so beautiful to look at. So charming. Yes. Gary Oldman. Disgusting. I love it. He's so <laughs> Gary Oldman in this show. Uh, there's like a, a this great money penny character. We oh my god, uh, uh, <laughs> Jonathan Price. I feel like I did we not talk about Jonathan Price? Like oh my god. <laughs> Oh, it's so uh, good. You were this so is right. Where if I had more time to edit the episode, I would just insert me talking about so and Jonathan Price. <laughs> Cue the, the montage. Uh, anyways, uh, kudos, Andrew. Once again, you've blown it out of the park. Maybe we have to do an episode about this show. I don't know. I don't know maybe, how we do maybe. it, but we should yeah, talk it about tricky, it at length. But, but it's, yeah, there is definitely something to talk about and yes this is i will repeat my endorsement listeners uh, if you haven't watched slow horses uh it is really good really worth your time and they they make two seasons at a time so the third and fourth seasons are being filmed Ooh, right now I think. it's coming out soon i think i think it's coming out in like uh june or august oh something goodness. like that like it's insane they are, busy. Uh, they are busy, so busy, busy. busy. It's the best way to do it, though. I, don't keep us waiting. They clearly have yeah. a great story idea. Why would they Why would they just leave it on a cliffhanger? Anyways. And Gary Oldman has basically said uh, that he's retired from acting apart from this character. He's like, oh my God. So he's trying to get it out there. Except this. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's beautiful. That's all I wanted Jackson to Jackson Lamb is his future, you know? And it's like, good. I love it. It might be our future, too. Uh <laughs> I think uh, also we need to mention uh, legendary musical icon Burt Bacharach uh, mm-hmm. passed away uh, in the interim since we've last recorded. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it when he passed. So much of his music has influenced so much of my life. Uh, I, 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 I had a soundtrack in my head that entire day of all of the songs that I've always loved. Yeah. In particular, like The Look of Love featured in Casino Royale. Uh, Oh my God, I'm blanking on the name of it, but the one in Austin Power, both of the songs in Austin Powers and Austin Powers 2. Uh, the best parts of the Austin Powers movie, some would say. <laughs> some would say, and you might be right about the second one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I listened to a lot of Dionne Warwick the day the day that he passed, which is always uh, a pleasure to do. Um, yeah. Yes, he does feel like part of the Bond fabric, even though he's only done Bond pastiches. Yes, <laughs> right? Isn't that uh, like I so connect uh, both of those in my mind, but they actually have no- almost nothing to do with right. each other. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a sound of the swing in sixties, so uh, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's all interconnected. Uh, so uh, rest in power, Burt Bacharach. Thank you for the music. Uh, and last thing I want to mention, uh, we 
got a wonderful piece of fan mail, and I just wanted to read a little bit of it to you. Is that all right? Ooh, yes. I never check the mailbox, so this is... What a treat. (laughs) What a treat. Uh, At least one of us gets push notifications. Anyways, hello, Andrew and Shane. I'm a longtime listener of the show uh, and a fan of Andrew's from back in the Comics Alliance, RIP days. And one thing that I've always seen as a bonus aspect of the show for me is that you're based in Toronto. Oh, I grew up in Youngstown, New York, right across the lake from you and across the river from Niagara. Uh, And we could literally see the skyline on the horizon from where I worked in high school. (laughs) Uh, In addition, depending on where you were, you could listen to CFNY, now known as The Edge 102.1, on the radio, which is where the best music could be found in the late 80s, early 90s. That's what my mom always said. That's me. Uh, Oh. Uh, today, I was listening to the Thunderball episode, which was great to hear back to back with Never Say Never Again, and wanted to let you know about a connection between Thunderball and the Lake Ontario region. The jetpack oh. used in the film was developed by a company in Niagara Falls, New York, called Bell Aerospace. They call it the Rocket Belt. And one of the test pilots, named Bill Souter, lived around the corner from me while I was growing up. You can find footage of him flying around Fort Niagara on YouTube, and he also flew oh. it on other TV shows, and I think he was the pilot carrying the torch at the LA Olympics opening ceremony. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing, and now I need to see the LA Olympics opening ceremony. That's I, <laughs> I have no idea who was the pilot in Thunderball, but it could have been him. And honestly, this Shane again, you're probably right. I know this isn't really relevant to your approach to the Bond films, it is, but I thought you might like to know how close to home at least one of the these movies comes. Uh, he goes on to say he agrees with us. He goes on to say he agrees with us about Thunderball dragging, uh, loves the movie poster, I agree with you, that uh, has Bond in the jetpack, wearing the tux, and smiling at the viewer. It's goofy and unrealistic, (laughs) but also stylish and perfect for the franchise at the time. Keep up the good work on the show. I love your sense of humor and perspective on the franchise as a whole. I also like the land acknowledgement. Yours is the only show I listen to that does that. Andy. Andy, thank you so much. That's such a lovely letter. That's such a so intre- nice. and such a great insight into Bond that hits close to home. You know, we've talked at length about Bond will never come to Canada as <laughs> I don't know some kind of deserved snub. Uh, but this we, brings we desperately it close. cling to any Can- Canada mention or reference or anything. Like, Spoiler <laughs> alert! I think we're going to be doing that later today. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. Uh, I have taken up so much of our time. Andrew, please tell me, what's the bondiest thing that you've done this week? Well, I've been watching a different TV show that I've also (laughs) been encouraging you to watch. So maybe you'll get to it in 2025. Uh, First of all, how dare you say you've encouraged me? You had no idea. I've already watched this, Andrew. You haven't even said it, but I know what you're about to say. (laughs) Physical 100 on Netflix. Yes, it's Um, so good. So good. It's so... It's a bonkers show. It's a uh, Korean TV show where they take a hundred athletes of various like levels of competition and various different disciplines um and they compete in a bunch of tasks to see which of them has the greatest physique uh like the ideal like there's this bullshit like weirdly slightly eugenic scientific thing that they pretend that it's all working towards um i i feel like they can take that out for the second seat like i don't i hope justify this as like a science experiment that's kind of weird and and let's just squid games it (laughs) pit pit people against each other and call it a day yeah who's gonna win that's all we care about we don't care about like the science of it and also it took them like all these different contests to identify a winner 
the the person they chose as the winner, not to spoil anything, but the, the only one of those 100 people that I follow on Instagram ended up <laughs> winning the whole thing. So next time you want to know the perfect physique, just ask me. I, I have done a lifetime study of this stuff. Uh, it is true. We have an Instagram group <laughs> chat that is all uh, physique, uh, male physique mostly. <laughs> Male presenting physique. <laughs> Male presenting physique, which can come in many different beautiful forms. Um, Absolutely. But, but the uh, the winner certainly has a beautiful physique. And mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, it would, it's not too much of a spoiler to say that it is a man that wins it. <laughs> uh, do not get to, to really compete on a level play, playing field. Uh, so, Though there are some amazing female contestants. Oh, on the show. 100%. I, uh, the, I think the most brutal part of that show is in the first couple of episodes when they're doing the initial uh elimination round and some of the strong guys are just such pricks they choose women (laughs) that they know that they're going to beat and yeah it's such a shitty way to do competition they they that is something i hope they find uh a a more fair way to deal with that in season two yeah it's very unsportsmanlike it's very un anitra anitra would never anitra would never do that be a Nitra. That's the that's the the lesson. That's my new motto, actually. <laughs> also, I think a Nitra could do amazingly well in physical one hundred. Oh the next god! Season, get a Nitra in there. She could do the whole thing backwards in heels. So um, absolutely, yeah. and end it with some uh, duck walking. <laughs> Uh, the other Bondy thing that I want to talk about is to mention that I've got a new book coming out uh, in a couple of months' time, Cat Fight. It is a book about cat burglars, a sort of cartel of cat burglars, and one uh, person who sort of is being tracked and hunted by the other members of this cartel. It's very glamorous, globe-trotting, uh, high-adventure stuff. There's a lot of Bond influence in there, so I hope you'll check it out. And if you know how to do such things order a, a, a copy uh, or you know subscribe to the series through your local comic shop you can also pick up the trade collection of my book sins of the black flamingo uh, with the great travis moore on art duties that is less bondy but much more queer i mean they're both queer everything i do is queer um, so yeah you're looking for a bit of bond catfight you're looking for a lot of queer Sins of the black flamingo um Looking don't for, forget for to follow Gamma, don't forget to follow you <laughs> on Twitter which is a great way to find out where to find these comics yes yes at Wheeler on Twitter for as long as Twitter is still a viable option or until I get locked out for not having a blue check whatever the fuck they want musk yeah it's it's bonkers but uh but yeah follow me there while you can and you can learn more about catfight um uh, as the series comes out that has art by the amazing Ilias kiriasis uh both books all queer creative teams which is something i really love very proud of you for that for every episode of kiss kiss bang bang we recommend a cocktail that matches the theme of the episode or just our mood or is literally in the text this <laughs> week it is shane's turn to pick and shane what have you got for us well, spoiler alert, it's literally in the text. Uh, I went with the only drink, it turns out, in the text that we have not made. Uh, and that is, the, well, yeah, uh, it's the creme de menthe frappe that Emilio Largo uh, sips on about midway through the novel. Uh, oh my god, is this sweet. It is two and a half ounces of creme de menthe. I added a half an ounce of maraschino liqueur because I needed to even this out in some way uh, oh. uh 
and then I shaved some, I, I actually grated an ice cube, which is something I've never done, and it creates a lovely <laughs> snow cone texture, which melts Ooh. instantly as you put the uh, liquor in the glass. Right. Uh, so I'm going to have to find a way to, like, keep that chilled for longer. Maybe that'll help uh, keep the uh, frappe essence of the drink. Uh, and then, of course, you have to top it off, as Largo did, with a maraschino cherry on top or two. Uh, it is, yes, it is just a mint drink over ice. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> it it does not make me think of the Emilio Largo in my head, but it is very interesting. It is, yeah, it is a summer drink, and I am having it on the coldest winter day we've had in a month. <laughs> yes, I saw the picture of you with your beard literally frozen. Uh, literally frozen before over. we recorded this. Yes, <laughs> I, I, was, I told Andrew I needed 20 minutes to literally unfreeze myself and make myself a drink. <laughs> I, I ran and got a cardigan when I saw that photograph. Um, <laughs> Someone hasn't yeah, left the house today. <laughs> I went to the supermarket. That's literally across the street. Um, yeah, I've had a creme de menthe frappe. I did not. I, I I did not remember there being maraschino liqueur in it, which uh, now I understand is is your own modification, uh, which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense because yes, it is just a slushy. Do you use green creme de menthe or or white? Uh, I did not have green creme de menthe at my at the location <laughs> I was shopping at, so I did have to settle for the white, the clear liqueur. Right. Uh, and of course, if it were green, I think it would be a bit more, you know, eye catching. It, it definitely would set the Certainly. mood of the drink a bit more than what I do have. <laughs> it's such a sort of queer seventies staple creme de menthe. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's uh, and it's not like it's a strong flavor. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I want to get into it because of the kitsch value, but at the same time, every time I have it, I'm like, well, that's enough. Um, you know what? I will make you one. It, it, like, yeah, one of these is absolutely enough, but it is a cute drink. It's queer. We're, it's it minty. Is. Let's do it. Yeah. Also, I have a I have a Lewis ice bag, which is where you oh. put ice in a sack and hit it with a hammer and you get crushed ice out of it. That's how I make my fraps, which I do not do a lot of. That's funny. That's also how I just get rid of my anxiety, but that's a good to know. <laughs> yeah. Come over yeah. and hit a bag full of ice or whatever you want to fill it with. I mean, Ooh, you know. oh, oh, God. <laughs> God. It got a little dark in my head. Let's move on. <laughs> let's let's do that. Ian Fleming's Thunderball, published in March 1961, is the ninth 007 novel and the novelization of an unfilmed screenplay written by Fleming, Kevin McClory, Jack Whittingham, Ivar Bryce and Ernest Cuneo. Uh, I believe some versions of the novel latterly had McClory and Whittingham actually credited as co-authors, though that doesn't seem Mm -hmm. to be the case anymore. Um, In this book, Bond is beginning to feel his age and is ordered by M to go to a health spa for two weeks. Soon a global emergency unfolds and he must track down two nuclear bombs stolen by the evil organization Spectre. His search leads him to the Bahamas, where he encounters Domino Vitali, an actress and kept woman to Emilio Lago, a wealthy man on a supposed treasure hunt. Along with Felix Leiter, Bond must stop Spectre before the week is out, and and they launch the bombs at two unnamed targets. Um, it's uh, it's one of the classics, but also it's a slightly, I don't know, it's it's so weird to read this book in the sort of the context of knowing 
its origin and thinking well did Fleming how how much was Fleming taking from these other these co-authors um how much did Mm -hmm. he actually lean on the script that they'd written and how much was it just him because it feels like Fleming like it feels completely like Fleming and I mean the whole Shrubland section which is an actual quarter of the novel uh that is all based on his own personal experience he went to a doctor he was the the medical report that James gets in the first chapter uh is almost identical to the medical report that Fleming received at the time uh 60 oh. cigarettes a day in wait Fleming was smoking that yeah oh no I, oh god isn't that disgusting anyway like n- no shame if you're a smoker but if you're smoking 60 cigarettes a day you are literally headed to an early grave oh that's terrifying and yeah, yeah. you could tell like all the health spa stuff like it felt it felt like someone who had been exposed to this stuff because a lot of it still rings true and some of it is still good medical advice. Like, yeah, surprisingly. You know? It's all it's all like couched in uh language that's dated, but you can you yeah. can see like how oh this is actually good for James and good for you. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and it's so weirdly it's on the nose. It's literally May the housekeeper saying, Oh, this is Tosh, but it's like, no, actually, May, that's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, we'll get to it. And of course, he let's, goes completely back on it. Yeah, we, we haven't even broken <laughs> the first chapter of the novel. Chapter one, take it easy, Mr. Bond. Bond is reeling from a hangover and feeling his age. M tells him his most recent physical indicates he's living too hard. He orders Bond to spend two weeks at a health clinic. So this is where we learn that Bond smokes 60 cigarettes a day and Balkan cigarettes at that. Oh, God. <laughs> Just, he must have smelled awful imagine like walking past him in the hall in the office of course no one could smell anything because everything smelt like cigarettes back then yeah everyone smoked <laughs> like 60 cigarettes was just the high end but it was it was probably not that unusual even i mean oh terrible and they were cheaper they were cheaper then <laughs> yeah uh oh, oh at the before the chapter even begins uh it does uh have uh uh, an, uh, oh my god, what do you call it? A dedication to dedication. an acknowledgement to Ernest Cuneo, uh, Muse. Uh, okay, Mr. <laughs> Fleming, we see you. I think he might have had a little crush on Ernest Cuneo. Uh, he did name the cabbie in Diamonds After uh, Diamonds Are Forever after him. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, which is which is something I'd forgotten until we breached this book, and I thought, wait, yeah. Danny Cunay is a real person. Um, yeah, I did. I did a very quick dive into him, and apparently, he was also in the intelligence service at the same time as Fleming, which is how they oh. met. Um, so that, uh, so I imagine that this was uh, his contribution to the story uh, had a lot to do with uh, the MI6 stuff. Well, war can make great friends of men. Ooh, yeah, I guess I, so. I understand. Um, (laughs) early in the chapter Bond seems to cut himself shaving and has to use a styptic pencil I used to have a styptic pencil and I hate those things they sting (laughs) like hell they're absolutely awful Um, have you ever encountered these things? no I have not but is it like just a a bleach stick essentially? it's I, I don't know yeah, I feel like they shouldn't still be allowed because they're so painful. And it's just like a little, like a chapstick, really, of like this powdery white stuff that feels like uh, iodine in a cut. Ooh, you know, you, you, you put it on a salt cut in the wound. And it creates this little, like, 
white shield uh, of powder over the cut to stop it bleeding and it's so it's not good it's not a good did thing. we did we not have band-aids back then could you not like cut, <laughs> take a little piece of toilet paper and put it over the cut like uh, i always do uh, <laughs> i think there was something just like very uh um uh what's the word the, just sort of self-denying about using mm. a stick pencil. it's like no i i cut myself now i must punish myself for this <laughs> uh bond returns to the office and we learn he uh his secretary uh loelia is on uh holiday and he's been given a quote a silly and worse ugly girl as replacement oh uh, this is why bond should actually be ashamed of himself and not the hangover yeah he uses the nastiest language to describe this poor woman from the pool from the mm-hmm. secretarial pool um yeah, he, he he needs a good slap for that. He needs to be hit by a car driven by Count Lippy. Um, uh, it almost happens. Um, and we talked about his medical reports, 60 cigarettes a day, uh, not to mention half a bottle of hard spirits, again, daily. <laughs> can you even imagine? Actually, that I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Best not to, to linger on that thought, though. Um, but I do love the line, it's just that I'd rather die of drink than of thirst. Um, I, I, I wrote that as well. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's a good cynical line. It's very good. It is. But yes, we should mention Ian Fleming, for all that he has clearly been through a lot of this experience, he's not a doctor. Do not follow his medical advice. He does No, not nor ours, to be about. honest. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah true 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 fact we are not doctors we're not lawyers we're really not anything so um enjoy the show <laughs> uh, uh m is uh saying uh so m's been to this health spa and he's like going on and on about how much he loves it and bond you need to go you need to go uh and he's saying you know all of uh your medical report is because uh of all of the processed foods you're eating white sugars and uh white breads uh and bond interjects i don't eat all that much bread sir and it's like oh of course not <laughs> <laughs> no he really doesn't like he'll occasionally eat a, like a, some toast with his caviar but you know how small <laughs> yeah. those toasts are toast tips i believe he calls them he won't even refer That's to right. it as toast <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're releasing this episode on national toast day so um everyone get out there and enjoy some toast tips <laughs> uh, cheers uh, i'm toasting you with my piece of toast right now delightful uh we got a few revealing uh tidbits about money penny uh the most interesting one is that she has a pet poodle and that feels so appropriate i love it uh and also uh she says at the end of the chapter i don't think you'll be doing much spanking on nuts and lemon juice james and why why is that so much more comprehensible than the stupid fucking line in the movie that bothered me for 25 years of my life i'm so glad we can close the circle on that one me too (laughs) chapter two shrublands Bond is driven to Shrublands. He saves a nurse, Pat Fearing, from being accidentally run down by a patient, Count Lippy. He notices an unusual tattoo on Lippy's wrist. I am already worried that this is going to be a six-hour-long episode. I apologize <laughs> to the listener in advance. Uh, this this chapter starts off with Bond hitting on his young cab driver. Uh, they talk about Polly Grace, the local sex worker, uh, or mm-hmm. quote-unquote, a quid-a-go, uh, great deal, uh, until he got priced <laughs> out by old rich men. Love that detail. Uh, and then at the end of the conversation, he says, you ever want to break out? Call me up. Polly's not the only one. Uh, woof. Wow. Uh, really just putting it on 
all out there. <laughs> uh, love that interpretation. And this is after Bond has, has acknowledged to this foxy young man he's described mm-hmm. as. Um, he's, he's told this uh, young man that there's plenty of money in Brighton, which I could only read as Bond encouraging him to turn tricks. Um, <laughs> that perhaps he was already doing. Because Brighton is really the rent boy capital of the United Kingdom. So um, uh, Hold on, taking notes. Brighton, <laughs> rent boy capital. Okay, okay, good. That's that's where the foxy pimpled young men in the black leather wind che- cheaters go to uh, to make a little extra money, um, for sure. Uh, yeah, Polly Grace at the Honeybee Tea Shop. She's a legend. I love her. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of like weird and cute asides in this book, it, and a lot of it is sort of paddingy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like there's not a lot of book when you take out all the asides, but it, uh, but a lot of them are very cute or interesting asides. I will give them that. I think it really fleshes out Bond in this yeah. novel. Like it, it, this one feels the most insight we've had into his thoughts and his routines. Uh, yeah, I think maybe that's actually the success of the novel, but we'll get to that. Um, uh, some of the things that he is uh, being given to eat at the health spa, potassium broth, nut mints, and unmalted <laughs> slippery elm, whatever the fuck that is. Sounds yummy. I- I always take my slippery elm malted. Uh, mm, so yeah, so yeah, much tastier, but it has the extra <laughs> calories, Andrew. Mm, that malty flavor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bond describes a room as being a room-shaped room with furniture-shaped furniture. Love that. Writing, yeah, uh, folks, this is this is the good <laughs> stuff. Um, I, but I, I, even more florid than that, if you can imagine such a thing, either Bond or Fleming is very horny for Count Lippy, who is described as extremely handsome, mm-hmm. an athletic-looking six-foot, a good-looking bastard who got all the women he wanted and probably lived on them and lived well. Mm-hmm. A dark, jealous, bronzed James? woman killer with a neat mustache <laughs> above the sort of callous mouth women kiss in their dreams. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, yeah. Women, not, women do? W- women, right. Yes, women, women. Um, Not to mention, he's talking about uh, the um, the massage uh, pamphlet on the table, and there's a chapter that includes topics such as stroking, friction, kneading, and vibration. Mmm, wow, getting me hot in here. <laughs> I mean, no wonder he has to go for a gentleman's treatment after all this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he just called up uh, the cab driver, right? <laughs> <laughs> probably although yeah he does gentlemen that's for sure um of course there is a dash of chinaman in mm. count lippy there's always some sort of weird orientalist uh element to at least one of the villains in every book uh very strange very strange so unnecessary like he could just be a member of the tongs we don't need that's such yeah. an unnecessary part of the backstory yeah i also noted that um i love that count lippy is like he gets the revered description usually reserved for a bond women pat meanwhile short <laughs> compact wearing nothing but a white nurse's smock that's about the extent yeah. of her description <laughs> yeah well we'll later learn that she's basically buff <laughs> it's like, yeah exactly right. okay well manish um <laughs> uh, there's so much ageism and fat phobia in like the next few chapters. I just want to put that out there so that we can kind of acknowledge it and move on. Right. Speaking of moving on, chapter three, the rack. Bond discovers that the tattoo mark. Uh, sorry, Bond discovers that the tattoo marks Lippy as a tong gangster. Bond receives treatment on a traction machine, and Lippy cranks the machine up in an attempt to kill Bond. Yeah, all this tongue stuff is just there to create 
tension between the boys. So really, they could have, you know, Fleming could have put anything in here as the mm-hmm. thing that tips him off. But no, he had to go the the spooky Chinaman route once again. Yeah, so so dark uh, and so expected at this point. Uh, it uh, you know it doesn't take long for Bond to become a bad spy in this one. Uh, <laughs> he he's mentioning like lippy and the tongs in the same breath in an open room on 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 a, just a regular payphone uh, it doesn't even like check behind him to see it, that lippy is within <laughs> earshot i mean come on man it's it's a little early in the day for you to fuck up <laughs> i mean to be fair he didn't know he was spying in this scenario, i guess so but, i guess uh, so but he's a but spy he should time- always be on <laughs> yeah, and he is literally calling HQ to say, hey, there's a weird tattoo on a guy. So, you know, he, he kind of initiated this uh, yeah. whole spy nonsense. Um, yeah, very poor work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he's not operating at his best. He's he's drinking hot vegetable soup from a plastic mug, which really stirred memories for me of hospital vending machine cup of soups. Um, <laughs> I can taste that hot vegetable soup. Like, I know it's mostly powder and water. It's <laughs> just broth with, a like, literally one square chunk of carrot and three peas yeah yeah, yeah we've all sure. had that we've all had that <sighs> cup of broth soup it's disgusting he's also drinking a lot of uh tea with brown sugar in it because of course brown things are always healthy um, <laughs> that is not what he said in past novels uh, <laughs> uh we were so hung up on white things being bad and brown things being good in a in a culinary in a nutritional <laughs> sense wow okay i'm so glad that you clarified that <laughs> but like the idea that like brown eggs are good and white eggs were bad like that was a thing i was told when i was a kid and like turns out nope they are nutritionally exactly the same yep it's so true uh so we're thinking brown sugar now is healthy like this was something we believed in the 60s no no kids brown sugar is not healthy it is not. yeah no sugar is healthy uh <laughs> Bond's biggest fear revealed to be powerful women. Uh, he's very <laughs> nervous to give control over to Pat in the rack. He would rather have some airy H-man, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Male naturopaths call themselves health men, apparently, because that's less, uh, I don't know, gendered or less. Well, it's more gendered, but less. It's actually completely <laughs> gendered, but yeah. <laughs> completely gendered, but it, it's less likely to make them seem like some femme girly naturopath i guess oh yeah um, only girls take care of their health yeah exactly there's something very fey and camp and homosexual about being healthy so yeah we're, uh, we're told about the hairy h-men uh, tell that to my like doctor delightful comic yeah. um <laughs> yeah. Ooh, i've just got a great idea um <laughs> so bond's other fear as i mentioned the loss of control the this machine mm-hmm. terrifies him and it rightly should like this does not seem like a great <laughs> way to get rid of lesions on the spine something's wrong here oh i don't think these machines exist anymore so i'm pretty sure they were killing people <laughs> yeah. not and good, then of not good and then, of course, uh, the the most uh, uh, the worst thing of all, the most ridicule, is that he gets taken advantage of by a man at the end of the chapter. Right. This after he is forced to kiss on Nurse Pat, um, who mm. shouldn't have a mouth like that if you're going to be an osteopath. He says, um, "What does that mean?" <laughs> honestly, she, and she tells him the last man that did this had to leave by the next train. Um, really should have kicked him out. Agreed. Away. Uh, but then we wouldn't have uh, this incredible next chapter. Chapter 4, Tea and Animosity. Bond recovers in the arms of Nurse Pat. 
He completes his treatment with occasional trips to the tea rooms. He gets revenge on Lippy by trapping him inside a sweat box. Uh, uh, sexual assault aside, I can't believe I'm going to say that. I can excuse sexual assault. Uh, no. <laughs> I can give racism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a bit more balance of power between Pat and Bond here in the novel than there is in the film. Uh, I find mm-hmm. like sh- she is uh, in charge with him and he kind of relents to that and, and rolls with it. And it ends up... <laughs> God, it ends up being like a cute flirtatious scene, you know, following the heels of sexual assault. Just going to say that one more time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, context. Uh, I, <laughs> and they do have they have some great dialogue. Now, how about some more of that mink treatment? And by the way, will you marry me? Uh, creepy. Uh, <laughs> she says, don't be silly and turn over on your face. It's your back that needs treatment. And he says, how do you know? And I thought that was really sweet. <laughs> uh yeah i mean a strong woman with a mink glove what's not to love about that Uh, yeah Um, that's hot (laughs) and uh, effleurage does sound like a a lovely time to spend an afternoon um i I thought that was uh, something that you do with flowers pressing them in a book (laughs) i mean yeah probably something (laughs) the the word root must be floral um but yes i think it's just being massaged with a mink glove which is which is weird but um I'm into it. I'll try it. Yeah, me too. Uh, this uh, is where we get to the the worst part of the book. Bond yeah. saying he loathes and despises tea, that that flat, soft, time-wasting <laughs> opium of the masses. Fuck you, James. Fuck you very much. How dare you? Also, he says three cups had the effect of about half a bottle of champagne. So the what problem the here is not tea, James. The problem here is you. The problem is you uh, can't handle your tea. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this sounds more like the effects of the champagne leaving his system than the effects of tea. <laughs> yeah. That's very probably true. Um, but no, tea is delicious. I also loved that there is this, we get this description of the tea rooms that, that all the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the patients sneak out to, to enjoy tea and sugar cakes. Um, and there is very clearly a class system here. Like Rose Cottage oh, yeah. is the middle class tea room because it's aspirational and it overcharges. The thatched barn is very upper class because the cakes are free. They, ironically, you know, rich, I love, you get free things. Yes. Uh, and then the transport cafe is very working class, mm. very like melt your spoon in a mug of tea kind of place um and I, would, I would have a lovely time in all three i'm sure i think so i'm sure you would uh <laughs> there's something very revealing about bond and i thought was maybe one of the more uh relatable things he said if you've ever suffered from addiction i think that this is mm. so uh so apt he says uh bond or bond worries about losing himself outside of drink and smoke and debauchery uh and i thought that's exactly why he should not only be seeing a naturopath but also a therapist people if you're having these kinds of thoughts therapy is the way to go absolutely absolutely uh tea rooms by the way also a very queer idea like i was going to ask like i thought tea tea rooms rooms. thank you i was going to say i thought that was a traditional cruising spot oh a hundred percent a hundred percent so yeah i don't know what kind of sugar cakes he was enjoying but i'm sure they were delicious his name was henry uh it's kind of funny (laughs) that as soon as he gets fixated on count lippy we never hear about bond's treatments again like forget everything that we were learning about good healthy living like he is focused but the payoff is that we get a great scene where he exacts revenge and like sets off the giant specter machine yeah 
Speaking of, Chapter 5, Spectre. The members of a secret organization meet in Paris, led by Ernst Stavro Blofeld. <laughs> what, was that Scottish? <laughs> <laughs> it was my best Sean Connery. <laughs> Nobody smokes at Spectre, so you would have a tough time joining this evil organization, Shane. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Hey, I don't smoke interesting... cigarettes anymore. <laughs> That's true. Well, right now you don't. Um, mm. Wow. Sorry, right. calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> cut that out of the podcast i'm offended <laughs> uh-huh yeah i'll cut it and then we'll clip it into a later episode shall we? yeah so i'm back on my bullshit again andrew three months from now um but yeah what an interesting contrast to go straight from the health spa and all of yeah. these like uh austere like you can only drink soup and occasionally have some sugar in your tea and then we go to the evil organization and the first thing we're told is that people don't smoke and that that there is no debauchery for uh blofeld himself like his only indulgence is very gay candy Um, (laughs) yeah uh i mean he's the ultimate threat to bond he's an asexual virgin yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh my god gay tropes everywhere (laughs) there's a paragraph where he's described as being hitler napoleon alexander the great donald trump elon musk it's a very forward thinking (laughs) how did they know the name elon musk uh (laughs) i I like that he says the otherwise inexplicable adolf hitler uh which ladies and gentlemen (laughs) welcome to the stage Uh, (laughs) if there's one thing i can't stand about adolf hitler it's He's inexplicable. Explicable, yeah. <laughs> so on. Uh, I, I love that Blofeld gets a very lengthy intro. Uh, there's such a yeah. contrast to MI or MI6. Uh, there's just so much order and silence where MI6 always seems a little busy and slightly, not chaotic, but bustling with activity. Uh, and that I mean, is not the drunk. case here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Half a bottle of champagne, baby. It's noon. Uh, Blofeld is, of course, a Gemini. Untrustworthy. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I hope my brother isn't listening. <laughs> he knows what he did, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and also, yeah, uh, Blofeld says he decided that fast and accurate communication lay in a contracting world at the very heart of power. And you know what? He was not wrong. Also, shout I out mean... Tomorrow Never Dies, one of the best Bond films ever. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I agree with some of your observations. Um, yeah, this is nail on the head stuff. Like, oh, we we should have seen everything that's happened coming because of mm-hmm. just this one line of dialogue. Yeah. Um, oh, in the in the con column for this, uh, this is where we're introduced to the special executive oh my for God. counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion as an acronym. Yeah. And I have to say, no, guys, like take this one back to the workroom. Uh, just don't make it stand for anything. Like it's a can, yeah. Work. Can we get it? Can we just get a second pass on that? Is this necessary? Is it ever going to come up again in a meaningful way? <laughs> I mean, they'll ha- they'll do some extortion for sure. Yes, you know. I, I just what's the special executive for revenge even mean? I, I, <laughs> right? Revenge on it's who count- and for what? <laughs> counter counterintelligence and revenge are the two that stand out here, and it's but like also calling yourself terrorist is sort of naff as well so basically none of this works for me like extortion is kind of a doofy crime revenge isn't a crime it's just a a state of being oh yeah sorry yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's a psychosis, maybe. Yeah. Uh, terrorism is not a thing that people tend to identify themselves as. And counterintelligence makes no sense. Like you would Contrary intelligence to are. intelligence? Right, yeah. Yeah, like intelligence organizations have counterintelligence. You you can't just have the counterintelligence. You have to... Uh, anyway. You have to, yeah, it's so <laughs> dumb. Uh, we'll come back to that so many times in the coming years, Andrew. We'll get so many opportunities to bash Spectre. Oh, great. Can't Sh- wait. <laughs> chapter- oh, wait, you're doing this one. Go ahead. Yes. Chapter six, Violet Scented Breath. Blofeld kills one of his subordinates for violating his trust, because you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Blofeld reveals that Lippy's hospitalization with second-degree burns has delayed Plan Omega. Uh, it was his custom when unpleasant things had to be said to sweeten his breath, and I'm going to employ this tactic <laughs> in my own life. Yeah, the the reveal that Blofeld eats violet-scented cashews, uh, cashew not here being the nut, but a type of sweet, a type of tablet. Um, it's basically a Parma violet, which is a violet-flavoured candy that I loved as a kid, and everyone else around me hated them, because they thought they tasted like soap. Uh, but yep. I am both a villain and a homosexual, so oh. uh, me and Blofeld, we both love Parma violets, apparently. I mean, also that extortion thing rings true. Uh, it was, oh yeah, 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 I'm yeah, yeah. Oh, I love revenge. Oh, the re- oh, that, I mean, it's the sweetest part. Uh, dare yeah, I ask, is. is Spectre good? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're they're agents of chaos, sure. But there mm-hmm. is kind of a touch of Robin Hood when they're going down the list of things <laughs> that they've done. It's like, well, they're actually taking money that is used to you know keep the working class and and racialized people down and they're kind of reinvesting it in i mean i, I guess they're <laughs> they're keeping a lot of the money for themselves but their aim is to destabilize the status quo and honestly i don't know i'm kind of here for that minus the chemical and radioactive warfare stuff Right. Well, and also they're not doing it to elevate like you know marginalized communities. Like they they do not. It's not like well, right. That's not the men. Yeah. yeah, we should <laughs> open food banks in the food <laughs> deserts of southern Los Angeles. Like that's not that's not the special executive for land acknowledgments <laughs> and reconciliation. Uh, <laughs> Um, and you get a you get a sense of where their values lie when Blofeld talks about this this young woman who was part of an extortion plot. Oh, she was the pawn in the plot, uh, and she was raped by or seduced by, depending on which narrative you believe, um, mm. by one of the captors, and was returned to her parents in a used condition. Blofeld Ew. says. So on Gross. the one hand, he he comes out against the the abuse and rape of this young woman. He returns um, half the ransom. How, returns half the ma- ransom, punishes the guy responsible. I mean, kills the guy responsible. Yeah. But but at the same time, it's like, oh, it doesn't seem like bodily autonomy is his thing here. It's just like the the male honor thing. Because if you're describing women as used, you're Ugh. not thinking in a woman centric way. Let's just yeah. say that. Let's just say Blofeld not a great feminist. All right. <laughs> kind of like it's kind of like objectifying women in a way. I don't know. It just uh, <laughs> something about calling her a used car or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, great tense scene where the Corsican uh, agent gets fried, of course, uh, Lippy casually disposable, uh, and gets just a mention that he's, that he's already dead, right? Like, we don't, oh no, that he's going to- He's not dead yet. He's not dead yet, but he just gets a mention like, uh, he's not gonna last long. Um. There's some real Winton kid, like, eliminating the chain of command going on in this, uh, in this, uh, book. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Part, 
every part of what is it plan omega um yes you're right is is, is wiped out <laughs> bit by bit yeah uh the base of operations for plan omega uh, for plan omega by the way an island owned by an eccentric englishman the nature of whose friends and personal habits demand seclusion i read that as gay <laughs> orgies i don't know about you I mean, I tell me more about this uh, eccentric Englishman and his personal habits. I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> Andrew, is this about you? <laughs> I wish I had an island. Uh, <laughs> that, that you would tell us about. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Chapter 7. Fasten your lap strap. I, every time I want to say fasten your seatbelt, and that is not it. Uh, Bond <laughs> is chastened by his housekeeper, May, for his new healthy lifestyle. Called into the office, Bond learns of an extortion attempt by a secret <gasps> organization named Spectre that has stolen two nuclear warheads from NATO. That second E, ladies and gentlemen, stands for extortion. <laughs> um, first of all, the breakfast that, that Bond is enjoying, enduring, uh, is, it includes energy rolls, which I looked up. They're a high protein bread roll for people on diets, which would be very popular Ooh. right now because mm. everyone loves a goddamn keto protein bread. Um, God. also it's probably black thick and unedible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it doesn't it it was discontinued in the seventies, um, and the the Energen brand moved into crisp breads. So that's all the Energen news you need for the day. He's Thank also you. enjoying black treacle with his roll, which for those who not, don't speak English, food is blackstrap molasses. It is not a health food. It <laughs> no, it's sugar. sugar. Yeah, <laughs> it does have more nutrients in it than you know white sugar. I guess I, like I it guess. does have a bunch of nutritional like. Yeah, it, it, but it's not good for you. You can get those those nutrients elsewhere. Um, <laughs> May here is revealed to be the most dangerous enemy that Bond has ever faced because she's the one that's going to kill him. She's the one that's like, oh no, stop eating that goat yogurt. Here, have a have have, have a, a plate of eighteen eggs and some <laughs> rashers and ooh, I buttered your toast, all six pieces of it. Uh, <laughs> National Post Day. Uh, uh, you know who also doesn't have any time for this? Money Penny. Uh, she she's expecting Bond to eventually get the champagne cure, uh, which I guess is uh, he just <laughs> needs to get really drunk one night to forget everything that he's learned. And honestly, who hasn't been there? I'm gonna start oh. living my life right. I'm gonna do it, and then you do it for a week, <laughs> and then the next weekend, oh my god, why did I have four drinks last night? Yeah, for me, it's the ice cream cure. It's mm, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. how I fall off the wagon, um, <laughs> or the, the the snack cake cure. Oh, those things are terrible. Um, by the way, part of his health health regime is to smoke Duke of Durham cigarettes. Ah, Duke of Durham smart. cigarettes are a zero fat food. Mm. Um, yeah, they're not good for you, James. They're not good for you. Oh no. Uh, but they're, but <laughs> I heard those are the best for you. Uh, mm, it, it, yes, they anyway, might be the best. <laughs> for you. It's so weird that Bond is like actually right about his eating habits for right? the first time in nine novels, and all of these women are worried about him <laughs> losing himself. Like he's actually just taking care of himself for the first yeah. time in his life, and everyone's like, "Ugh, wimp, pussy." Uh, and hilariously, <laughs> May basically says, "Look, I know you're a spy. Uh, you yeah, need to eat yeah. meat. You're a spy, Jane." And like, she's not well, and actually, she's this, not. She basically is. Like, she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the meat maybe, but but the the other other stuff that's not helping um yeah so so may knows this whole time she's known that he's a spy um she's like well you know when you come home full of bullet wounds yeah i kind of put two and two together yeah i don't <laughs> something just told me you weren't driving trains <laughs> in europe 
Though speaking of locomotives, uh, we learn that Bond just thinks of cars as locomotion. Um, this does not fit with the movie version of Bond. Like, no, we think no, of no, him no. As a car guy. Uh, and also, it kind of doesn't fit with the novel version of Bond, who has yeah. put so much money into like upgrading this car. Like he's put more time and effort into this car than he does most other things in his life. It seems like uh, so for him to just think of it as locomotion, I I don't believe him. I don't believe him when he says that. He's crazy from lack of food, you know. It's true. It's true. It's all <laughs> of that uh, minced nut. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 8. Big Fleas Have Little Fleas. Citation needed. M orders Bond to go to the Bahamas where the plane may have gone down. Lippy attempts to murder Bond, but the Count is eliminated by a Spectre assassin. So M freely admits that, like, the allies, UK, US, friends, have actually all worked with or hired Spectre in the past few years. <laughs> and it's like, so you admit it, you're a war criminal. No, shock. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> These countries have never met a terrorist organization that they can't do business with, let's be honest. I mean, um, <laughs> where do they, where do these quote-unquote terrorist organizations usually stem from? Right. Mm. Um, M very hesitantly refers to Bond as a reliable man. Like, <laughs> uh, I guess you'll do in a pinch. Uh, I haven't got anyone else. <laughs> I, I mean, he hasn't actually fucked up fucked up yet, right? Like, he always <laughs> ends up saving the day. Yeah, I guess. In a way. <laughs> not, not, always, not always through any fault of his own. Um, uh, I do like that here it's M's hunch about the Bahamas and it's not like Bond's chasing of women that leads him there. Right. It's, so, it's a yeah. bit more organic uh, and I appreciated that. Yeah, like M probably has the same conversation with like seven other agents. He's like, well, you're the only one I would trust with this. Yeah. And you must immediately go to North Africa. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, then we get the most crazy sequence of the book yeah and and, and i ha have i'm reminded of when we started doing this and it was like wait does someone try and assassinate bond in the first 30 pages of every novel we're more than 30 pages oh. in at this point but yeah but it's still essentially another... the first this is the end of the first act yeah and it's another classic someone tries to kill bond but this time they get killed by a better assassin um <laughs> bug crazy stuff yeah absolutely uh yeah, I have so many thoughts on this double-cross assassination. Uh, for one, the addition of Fiona Volpe in the film makes her absence here absolutely oh, yes. jarring. I totally forgot that she was just invented for the movie. Uh, and two, having this all happen on a busy London street instead of, like, the middle of nowhere <laughs> makes it so much more exciting. Uh this scene makes it into my cut of the updated film version, but of course I would definitely need to keep Fiona at the helm of the uh, oh, the bike. Absolutely. I missed Fiona very much from this book. I do think that this assassination, had it gone down, like the, it would have been immediately caught off the streets. Bond, you're not going anywhere. We oh, to 100%. We to interview. <laughs> like, but no, he's just like, well, I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to the Bahamas. See ya. Um, also, though, there's no Fatima blush in this mm. uh, in this novel. What a loss! Oh yeah, so <laughs> sad. Uh, please never. I mean, mind it's kind of that movie again. <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind of crazy that like Kevin McClory claims to have like oh oh yeah oh, yes had, genuinely had input into this novel. But when he came to make his own adaptation of it, he had to have a Fiona Volpe character, even though there isn't one. That wasn't in the, in the book. Yeah. yeah. So who's stealing from who? In, 
Yeah, like was that in the screenplay originally? The the I want to read the original screenplay, but do I? Me too. Maybe mm, I do. I don't. Know. I I kind of do, <laughs> just to know who was right, right? Yeah, uh, but of course, yeah. no one's gonna say, sign like, "Ooh, Kevin wrote that part, and uh, Ernest wrote this part." <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I the last my last note on the assassination that Bond is already three steps behind the plot. And that no one understands that this all ties together is both believable and absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's a good assassination. And even though, as you've said, (laughs) this happens in every novel, this is one of the better versions of that, I would say. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) Chapter 9, Multiple Requiem. We learn of how NATO pilot Giuseppe Patacci stole the plane with the warheads and was rewarded with a knife through the skull. It's a me, Giuseppe Patacci. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Giuseppe. We we hardly knew hardly you, knew you. We Although we get a whole chapter about you, so yeah, we kind of knew you more than maybe we needed to. More um, than most he, women in these novels, actually. Uh, not much to say about this chapter, but I do think Giuseppe Patacci sounds like a fun guy. Like the fact that he lands yeah. the plane, he's like, "By God, he had done it. He, Giuseppe Patacci, had done it." Now ah, hi, Giuseppe Patacci, now I've done it. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love his like his little quip when he gets that. Ah, good evening, good evening. I am delivering <laughs> one plane in good condition. <laughs> and then this guy just Vargas, in fact, stabs him mm-hmm. in the head and uh, Ooh, with a stiletto. End. Yeah, that's the it. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, so much. Backstory for poor Patachi, who just wanted nice things. Oh, right. And also <laughs> the cyanide gas, I guess, makes him a little bit less of a tragic figure. But but yeah, he just he just wanted women and cars and to live in a nice house. And don't we all? Well, also, well, maybe not. The, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, not the women, uh, but a, yeah. an airy H man, maybe. <laughs> Chapter 10, the Disco Volante. Spectre number two, Emilio Lago, oversees the operation to recover the warheads from the sunken plane using his treasure-hunting hydrofoil, the Disco Volante. First thought, this Largo is absolutely not Daddy Adolfo Celli. <laughs> this is more like, I don't know, Bobby Cannavale? Like, he's he's younger, he's more agile, he's, like, swarthy and dashing uh, in a way that I would not describe Ad- uh, Adolfo the same way, you know? No. No, I would say, with apologies, I am horny for this version of Largo more so than, than, than uh, your beloved. Honestly, Lago. me too. Uh, <laughs> the thing that got me, big hands. <laughs> <laughs> big hands, big gloves. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a big, conspicuously handsome man of about 40. A fine centurion face with long sideburns, pomaded hair, a lean swimmer's body, muscles that bulge under an exquisitely cut sharkskin jacket. Like, wow. holy shit. Ian, wow, wow, wow. Like, calm down. This is the horniest of the I Bond novels. I think so. so. This is the and most, like, is Ian gay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Largo sounds so much like Bond, actually. Like, he's a womanizer. He passes through high society with ease and confidence. He's also a relentless socio- sociopathic killer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of love that we're pitting these two against each other. I, I do wish the payoff were a bit more one-on-one, but we do get some great scenes with these two that highlights, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this Largo is described literally as an adventurer, someone who would have been a pirate in another time, and it's like, yeah, he sounds like kind of a cool guy. Like, apart from the whole, you know, all the rest of it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the bad Uh, stuff. (laughs) The bad stuff. Uh, And this is where we get a Canadian mention, the captain of the Disco Volante 
is a Canadian and a drunk. Uh, mm-hmm. we that's why he got. That's why he got dismissed from the Canadian <laughs> Armed Forces. Uh, of course, of course, we are known for one thing in these novels: uh, <laughs> bad decisions, I guess. Uh, the guise of a treasure hunt is so stupid. It's so flimsy. <laughs> I I can't believe how much scrutiny it holds under. Uh, but it is romantic, and also I kind of want to go on a treasure hunt. <laughs> let's do it let's let's try and find some warheads um yeah it was like it was the era of adventuring like you could just claim oh yes no i'm a playboy i'm an adventurer like these were jobs in the 70s in the 60s God. if you had enough money um, there was wow. a lot of post-war like ex-soldiers uh, had to be we had to do something with those people i hope there um, are some millennials listening to this like sh- just <laughs> shivering seething with rage like these fuckers fucked us uh <laughs> yeah they did they absolutely did um i do want to mention here the guy that killed patachi is name checked as vargas mm-hmm, this is the mm-hmm. only time his name is used this is the only time we see vargas but he is a character in the movie um they they like saw the, the word vargas and were like well we have to use that so uh, yeah and he's not even like really the same character it's a bit strange that no, not uh, at all. yeah but uh yeah there he is um <laughs> so they leave the atomic bombs wrapped in quote unquote obscene rubber sheaths inside an island that's hollowed out from the sea and resembles a giant mushroom uh just want to point out some more phallic imagery uh which is oh, there's going plenty to continue more of that to come yeah um also these atomic bombs probably poisoning all ocean life in this area possibly forever uh just want to point that out too <laughs> Fleming hates fish. Um, yeah, we are documented. <laughs> <laughs> and Largo says, now only the devil can stop us. And oh, James Bond is the devil. That makes so much sense. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chapter 11, Domino. In NASA, Bond encounters a woman named Domino and takes her for drinks. Why does he? I, like, I, <laughs> I was very confused at this point because I'm like, oh, yes, because he knows that she's. Wait. No, he doesn't know Does anything he? about her. He doesn't know anything. It's just a random she, coincidence like so she, many other things in this novel. Yeah, like in both of the movies, there is a connection. There is a lead. He's specifically looking for this woman. But in the novel, nope, she's just the first hot chick he sees. And she's she tries to run down a black man in the street. And he's like, well, that's my kind of woman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Weird. Yikes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh she we the introduction to domino is horrible she she cuts off a cabbie and like chews him out says some people have got work to do both of you him and the the horse ought to be put out to grass instead of cluttering up the streets getting in everyone's way it's like wow girl chill chill yeah she's she's not cute here like her sapphire blue mg2 seater that sounds cute. that sounds cute. she does not sound cute no at all. <laughs> Though who does sound cute here? James Bond introducing himself. My name's <laughs> oh. Bond. James Bond. I'm the world's authority on giving up smoking. I do it constantly. You're lucky I happen to be handy. I had a genuinely genuine laugh at that. That's that's a good line. <laughs> it's a very the, good line. The world's authority on giving up smoking. God, I, how many times have I said as much <laughs> on this podcast? <laughs> uh, no, but you've done it this time, Shane. You shamed right. me for suggesting otherwise. So I, you know, I, I gotta say it's been since August of last year. I, I'm doing pretty good this time. All right, uh, all right, all right. That was pretty good for me. You did it. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, speaking of smoking, <laughs> click, click, he lights one up. Uh, Bond says, <laughs> here, 
try these with the compliments of Faust. Uh, and already, <laughs> like, he's bringing so much energy into this scene. Uh, and just just like in the movie, the last few chapters, uh, you realize in hindsight, they kind of drag a little without him. So, I mean, once again, mm. as much as an asshole as he is, there is so much life uh, in the James Bond character that, like, can change the entire tone of the book. And he does say the only way to stop smoking is to stop it and not start again. And, mm, you know... That is it. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Not, I, that's like, not, a, not that easy, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> he, he's not wrong, I guess. Um, I'll, I'm going to need to add to my collection of things I need. Uh, James Bond paraphernalia, James Bond clothing. I need a My Disco Volante gondolier's hat. <laughs> it is a gondolier's hat with a... Uh, a gold ribbon and printed on the ribbon is my disco volante, not the t-shirts like we see in the film. Right. Uh, yes, but we, we could mix and match, you know, um, hmm. I, I, we need the t-shirt as well. Um, speaking by the way of uh, living a parsimonious, abstemious lifestyle, we learned that to Domino, a soft drink is a bloody Mary. Um, yeah. Because well, extra worse juice softens it out um, yeah wow good for you, i mean she know. i mean she's kind of not wrong right <laughs> whereas bond is like yeah. just having a vodka tonic and a dash of bitters that's almost just straight up vodka <laughs> it's it, yeah he probably meant to order just vodka <laughs> it's like, yeah oh, I oh, guess it's, it's, it's hot weather. it's lunch oh. yeah <laughs> um she domino has a gay to hell with you face same girl same 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 uh <laughs> Whore, tart, prostitute were not bond were not words Bond used about women. Uh, side note, but he definitely thought them about women. So yeah, he, not as lot. chivalrous <laughs> as he's describing himself. <laughs> and there's another word he uses to describe women that he uses oh, at the my end God. of this chapter, ruining which, the entire chapter about, in the mood. Yeah, says a lot more about him than it does about the woman he's calling a b word. Yeah, um, as she drives off. Yeah. Yeah, second already. God, we're hardly like a third of the way through the book at this point. Uh, <laughs> she She's cool, calm, collected. She does everything on her terms. Uh, there is a lot to love in this amalgam of Domino and Fiona, uh, the film mm-hmm. versions of those two. Uh, there's still a lot to hate. <laughs> Speaking of, of love matches, chapter <laughs> 12, The Man from the CIA. Bond meets with the deputy governor and police commissioner to identify suspicious activity on the island. He then rendezvous with his CIA contact, a returned to duty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Felix Leiter. Felix Leiter. I don't have much notes about meeting with the deputy governor and police commissioner. (laughs) This is all kind of like rote stuff for a Bond novel. Uh, But Bond and Leiter go out for a meal. Uh, and the receptionist says, uh, and I'll make a note of the number of your diner's club card. Uh, and it's like, okay, <laughs> weird flex. Uh, that's the equivalent of like, do you accept visa? <laughs> diner's club cards. They were a thing once upon a time. Um, I don't even really understand exist? the concept. No, I don't know what it was. I think, think it was completely replaced by credit cards in the end. So, um, good to know. Yeah. I'm not going to do any more <laughs> research into it because I don't think it's ever going to come up in my life ever again. <laughs> It comes up in movies sometimes. Um, okay, fair. Yeah, no, it's dated. Um, 
Bond thinking about who the CIA contact might be because, of course, Felix Leiter had become a Pinkerton last time he, mm. uh, they crossed paths. Mm. Bond said he hoped he wouldn't be a muscle-bound ex-college man with a crew cut and a desire to show up the incompetence of the British. Ooh, I hope Bond not. Oh, God. I, I hope much. not. Yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> oh, please. Not please be. don't. Oh, yeah. I hope he doesn't look like a lion decker. Oh, uh, I hope he's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not a top. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. And he gets even more excited. He is giddy as a schoolgirl. It was Felix later. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Oh, it was. It was. (laughs) Uh, And then they have a lunch date of disjointed home farm chicken. (laughs) It's just like deboned chicken, right? Like, that sounds disgusting. Yeah. But they call it disjointed chicken. Like, whoa, this is... Oh, I feel quite unwell. Um, five uh, shillings worth of badly cooked fish, Bond calls it. Not wrong. Uh, the book gets a little meta, and they start talking about, like, things like this just don't happen in real life. And it's like, nope, they don't, actually. This is a n- fictional <laughs> novel. So, no, they do yeah. not happen in real life. Um, <laughs> light- here is where Lighter solves the mystery of the car bomb miraculously. I I wish it had stayed a mystery because the fact that like he gets it kind of right. ruins it. <laughs> yeah, like Bond describes it to Lighter and Lighter's like, "Oh, so this is what happened." And it's like, "Well, why why did, did Lighter b- work that out?" How come like the top spies at MI6 uh who debriefed James afterwards didn't even have an inkling that this might be the case? Um right? yeah, I, outside your door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that they I I would have preferred that they might not be smart enough to pick up the pieces in time like that that Mm -hmm. as a threat threat throughout the novel would have been so much more interesting than like oh felix got it uh we get a very elaborate geiger counter that requires a very elaborate performance to trick people into not figuring out that it's a geiger counter uh and i like that little detail was this the watch or the camera both they both seem like they're connected to multiple (laughs) wires that go through like sleeves and you have to like hold them at the right angle so that they'll work Uh. very strange stuff chapter 13 my name is emilio largo bond and lighter pay a visit to largo's hydrofoil and take a tour bond's geiger counter cannot locate the warheads exciting stuff (laughs) uh this is the second chapter in a row or maybe Certainly, there is, there's a lot of mention in this section of the book about the guy that designed the Disco Volante, and it's like, yeah. is Fleming trying to get a discount by just oh, 100%. name dropping? <laughs> oh, this yeah. brilliant Italian engineer who built this uh, incredible yacht. Um, Bond shows up with a terrible cover story about wanting to yeah. rent the holiday house that Largo is staying in. Like, he's he's just a tenant. Um, and yeah. Lighter has a cover identity, Mr. Larkin. Bond? Nope. Nope. Never does. Oh, honestly, this all like falls apart as soon as you pull the first thread. They were really going out on a limb here. Um, so I did. I, I don't know why I did the research on this. I was just really curious. Um, but the Disco Volante in today's standards is like a three and a half, four million dollar yacht. Uh, and I just dare you to look up yachts under five million uh, because that is not what is described here. This sounds like a palace on floating on right. water, and apparently at five million dollars gets you just like you know a a, ni- a decent modest yacht. Have you ever seen a modest yacht in your life, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one that Betsy DeVos keeps inside her other yacht. Yes, um, exactly. The uh, or the <laughs> the yacht kept inside the yacht in the film Thunderball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, I think yachts are a thing that have have climbed in value above inflation. That's what I I'm think so. Say. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, okay, this description of Largo. My god, a tall man in white ducks and a very wide mesh singlet <laughs> appeared on deck and observed them through binoculars. Wide mesh singlet means something completely different to me than I think it meant to them, right? Or is indeed Largo just wearing a singlet and you can see everything? I mean, we know he's got the body for it. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's ripped, he's got a swimmer's body, he's lean, he's muscular. Oh, he's 40. Please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we get uh, a bunch of show-offs being show-offs. Uh, Bond gets a hunch that relies solely on the fact that, gasp, no one smokes. <laughs> Ludicrous. <laughs> so suspicious. <laughs> But an actual red flag in 1961 that cannot be ignored. Absolutely. Yeah, Bond really has, like, nothing to go on at this point in the novel. He almost talks himself out of suspecting Largo. He's like, well, this could be explained as this, and that cover story is pretty plausible. And it's like, oh, I'm probably in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> I, You do have to love, like, how Fleming gets us on Bond's side, though. Like, we as readers know everything already. We've seen yeah. it all. We know what's going to happen. And Bond only has straws. Uh, and, like, we just want him to grasp those straws like no matter how bad at his job or disgusting personal behavior like you really end up rooting for him to see what we already know and it's a good literary trick that uh, i really saw like visibly in this one yeah yeah chapter 14 sour martinis bond makes contacts with headquarters and then joins lighter for a date tonight. Aw, the planning chapter. The the first of, like, <laughs> six planning chapters. Oh, God, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of just, like, moving the pieces into place and making sure yeah. that you've contacted this person. And that It's like, we don't care, Ian. We really don't care about this. This is, this is the novel's equivalent of the underwater scene. Too long, moving <laughs> way too slowly. We're using the speed ramping in all the wrong places. Uh, my biggest takeaway, there's absolutely no oversight of police back then. Now they can still do whatever the fuck they want and no one asks questions. Yeah. But this chapter's not a complete dud because we do have Felix and uh, Bond out on a date together. The the truest romantic coupling that oh, this franchise ever absolutely. Um, uh, Felix Leiter uh, policing the martinis, which I know you're going to have a lot to say about. Oh, um, I mean... Uh, let me tell you that Leiter is 100% correct about the insane markup of booze in restaurants and bars. Like, I'll, <laughs> I will, on principle, never buy, almost never buy a bottle of wine at a restaurant because I know the true price. At, and yeah. the, the profit margins on like a single mixed drink can make up for almost an entire bottle within three or four servings. It, it's crazy. Uh, so yeah, Felix basically sends the martinis back because the olives are taking up most of the glass. Uh, I want to know how big these olives are because uh, do we not have these like, size olives anymore? <laughs> <laughs> right? These the, like he literally it's like there's one jumbo olive and he takes it out and the glass is like three quarters empty. empty yeah, it suddenly. must be like a golf ball sized <laughs> olive, or they have gigantic I- martini glasses, and either could be true. And I want that gigantic olive. Yes. I, like, bring it on the side, but but bring it. <laughs> yes, I agree. It sounds delightful. <laughs> 
Chapter 15, Cardboard Hero. Bond and Largo play Chemin de Fer, and Bond drinks champagne with Domino. He learns that her brother is the missing pilot, Giuseppe Patacci. Giuseppe Patacci. Giuseppe Patacci. <laughs> um, there's some weird stuff going on here. Uh, Bond noticed for the first time that she had the smallest trace of a limp. He found it endearing. Yep. A limp sexy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, let's give them credit. This is the first time someone has had a disability and they've not been made a villain completely and outright. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's also the origin of the whole, like, Bond thought he would see if an association of words does something to him and goes up and says, Spectre. Spectre of Uh, defeat. (laughs) Say, have you seen that Spectre over there? Oh, it's a real Spectre of a day right now. Spectre, Spectre, Spectre. Like, look, I get it's, I get it's dumb, (laughs) but it lands with so much weight. I, I thought it actually really helped, like, raise the tension in that moment. I, I think it's a well-written scene. It's just a dumb trick. Oh, uh, yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. And Largo would be like, "Murder that man as soon as he turns his back." I don't know uh, what he's doing, but I don't like it. Uh, Domino, so clever. First of all, Domino, in black with a square-cut neckline and one large diamond on a thin chain at her throat, was looking morose and bored, looking pale and oh. tragic. Very Mrs. White <laughs> from uh, Clue. Uh, love love the description. And she says to Largo, I will be in the supper room having caviar and champagne. We must try and get as much of your funds as we can back in the family. Ooh, clever girl. <laughs> so witty. Love it. <laughs> um bond describes her as a courtesan de Marc, and after saying that he doesn't call women all yeah. these other synonyms for sex workers it's like, oh, like this is oh, one whore yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> courtesan de Marc, which you know just wow. basically means brand name whore <laughs> and that's really not even what she like she, she says at the present time with emilio i'm halfway where we were lovers we're now good friends who understand each other when i told you he was my guardian i was telling a white lie i'm his kept woman i'm a bird in a gilded cage i am fed up with my cage and tired of my bargain uh i mean that doesn't <laughs> sound so much as a sex worker as it sounds like i don't know someone who's just like shacked up with a rich guy <laughs> right yeah well you know shacking up with a rich guy is sex work too oh yeah i guess so yeah <laughs> half a half a dozen to one <laughs> uh we get an amazing sequence here where, where the cigarette ad the, the most amazing cigarette, cigarette ad that that makes me want to have a smoke right now <laughs> <laughs> She's talking about the sailor on the the player cigarette packet and her sort of lifelong romance with this mysterious and unknowable figure. Uh, it's so romantic and it's such a like great flourish of writing from Fleming. And it's also more barely disguised homoeroticism. Like, oh, this is Fleming 100%. writing about this hot sailor on a cigarette packet and how it sort of lingered in the libido for <laughs> for this woman for for. <laughs> wow For, yeah woman yes. quote unquote yeah yes uh <laughs> I, I did like start thinking like what if it were something else that she were describing she like please pass me that pack of frozen peas i need to see my cartoon green hero <laughs> ho, ho, i mean the ho. green giant who's buff like Daddy, i would yeah, uh, yeah. out of bed for for defrosting <laughs> peas <laughs> chapter 16 swimming the gauntlet Bond goes diving to search for the warheads. He has a close encounter with a barracuda and a closer encounter with one of Largo's divers. Uh, The last time that Bond had to do this whole thing, going underwater and sneaking up, uh, 
he absolutely freaked out and rupaul <laughs> opera glasses i can't wait to see how this turns out let me tell you he completely freaks out <laughs> i mean he's got over his fear of flying at least like that's never true seems yeah. to have a problem being on a plane anymore but but diving still not his sweet spot yeah uh Largo practically freaks out when he hears the word Spectre in the last chapter, and Bond, like, still, like, in his thoughts now as he's diving, he still doesn't want to connect those dots. He's like, my dude, (laughs) it's almost too obvious. It wasn't some (laughs) Italian superstition about Spectres and shoulders. Like, the man got spooked when you mentioned the name of the business he's working for. (laughs) No, no, uh, he must be innocent because he's so he's, d- he's just a playboy. Yeah, how how could someone so hot be so evil? <laughs> I mean, I'm hot and I'm not evil. Oh, um, Andrew, you so you are a hundred percent evil. Close. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was talking as James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. Uh, uh, Bond makes a friend in a barracuda. That was cute. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so a great Fleming tradition here. Scary animals. Uh, he loves as all boys as all schoolboys do uh scary animals uh that might kill you uh a less enjoyable Fleming tradition is the traditional caribbean patois the character who gets oh, to be a sort of yeah just uh, yeah the character of santos who is described as a huge man of color i'm gonna say that's mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. word they use thank you the appreciate uh that. naked except for his swimming trunks with pectoral Hot. muscles the size of dinner plates okay so again we're objectifying men just just randomly uh, but also naked except for his swimming trunks that just means he's wearing swimming trunks like why yeah. are you... <laughs> well, you didn't have to say the first part yeah <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> naked except for his clothes <laughs> just what just wants to suggest something andrew he just wants to suggest mm-hmm. the thought oh, of he... nudity really does <laughs> uh so we get the wonderfully tense uh moment the these movements hampered by water the slow raising of the co co2 gun by uh largo's diver uh and then of course Chekhov's barracuda saves the day but oh no <laughs> the barracuda gets brain damage from the grenades and Aww. fleming i uh, wrote fleming doesn't just hate black people asian people women he also just hates the ocean <laughs> fucking fish fucking um, fish it's a really cinematic chapter though and it is like it's mm-hmm. much better paced than the than the movie stuff um, yeah but you can kind of get why they were so excited to do the movie stuff from reading these bits of the book yeah i, I you almost just wish that they'd like done a one for one on some of this stuff it could have been yeah. so much but i i mean yeah we we have cgi now how do you do that practically in 1965 you can't Anyways. right they they had new technology for filming underwater and they're like we're gonna use the shit out of this yeah uh three hours later <laughs> chapter <laughs> 17 the red-eyed catacomb bond and lighter conduct an aerial search for the missing plane they find a likely spot and bond goes diving again he finds the plane and giuseppe patacci's body i i only have quotes that i pulled out from this section. i also have a lot um, of quotes <laughs> bond putting on his clothes dodged the comments of constable santos what were the comments about him uh, you know right oh <laughs> come back come back you hardly finished uh, um uh, as they're as they're running to catch the helicopter bond says uh get going quick here comes paperwork i thought that was cute <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line that's a good line. yeah uh largo was doing all the work being gay and boyish Ooh, Ooh same <laughs> yeah <laughs> um bond it's hard to getting freaked uh, oh go ahead 
Bond getting freaked out about the speed of uh, what is it? The the plane? The yeah, I think yeah. yeah. So I guess he's still a little bit scared of flying. <laughs> he's like, I guess why, so. Why are we going so fast? But uh, yeah, he's 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 mostly over it. Uh, there's a, a quick mention of Moonraker, and I would say, for my money, still the best novel. We're nine in, and I still think yeah, that might be the yeah. most exciting one. Um, I can't hear the word Bimini. They talk about the Bimini keys here, <laughs> and not think of the drag icon. You know, and actually, there yeah. is a I, there is a brand of gin I have at work that I need to get for us. Like I've sold <gasps> one bottle in three months, and I can't believe it. Like it's called Bimini. The gays should be eating this up. Right? I want to drink Bimini. Absolutely. We're going to. I, pr- I promise you we will. Uh, there's so much claustrophobia in this chapter, which has been a theme throughout the novel in at like three times already. We've talked about uh, everything closing in on Bond, uh, the, like when he's in the rack in Shrublands and uh, when he's feeling claustrophobic in the streets of London yeah. and here he's feeling claustrophobic and in the last chapter. It... it, it Bond's like nearly wretched three times so far in the past few <laughs> chapters. And I think it's all summed up by the line, like he felt his nerve was quickly seeping away. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like really on edge in this one. It must be all that lemon juice and biscuits or whatever he's eating. <laughs> that, that'll be it. Uh, I just have one more quote from this chapter, which I will share without context. It was fully erect, a sign of tension and awareness. Moving on. Chapter 18, <laughs> How to Eat a Girl. <laughs> Bond meets with Domino on the beach. He sucks fish spines out of her foot, not a euphemism, and they hook up. I mean, the t- title of this chapter is so horny that I can barely, Andrew. Like, I can barely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says, this is the first time I've eaten a woman. They're rather good. Never Fellas. has a man so quickly indicted himself as a selfish lover. Like, oh my God, James. Fellas, eat out your <laughs> ladies. Like, a l- little pleasure goes a long way. Uh, do Honest some reciprocation. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Uh... <laughs> We get a classic back of the car scene to catch us up before the last set piece I wrote. I was so wrong. We are going to get like three more <laughs> setup scenes before we get to the set piece. Mm-hmm. Gonna uh, spend a lot of time in a submarine, boys. Uh, the theme. The theme of this chapter is show feet. <laughs> oh yeah, this is yeah. Quentin Tarantino loves this section. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's another line here from Domino. Do you know you're the first man who's ever made me cry? Um, great line in the movie. Great, great line, line here. Great line. And uh, yeah, it, probably true, uh, but not true for him. He's made a lot of women. A lot of women. <laughs> uh, we get, like, it's so gross that he's like, kissing and fondling her knowing mm-hmm. like that the news that he's literally about to deliver it's it's almost mm-hmm. like he's taking advantage of her hmm gross mm. Mm. uh l- <laughs> before we move on the last line i want to say he saw the muscles of her behind clench to take the pain here <laughs> try these amyl nitrates that should help <laughs> push out that's, push that's the, tighten up that's push the out yeah <laughs> oh god my mom's listening to this chapter 19 <laughs> when the kissing stopped after they fuck bond tells domino her brother's dead and largo killed him he recruits ah. her oh, he recruits her to use a geiger counter to locate the warheads so uh. i guess at least he kind of acknowledges that he's an asshole 
Kind right, of. he's like, oh, I'm sorry, baby. I was just too horny to treat you like a real person. And oh. Oof, my bad. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. And he, he reveals to her, I'm really a kind of policeman. The shit kind, James? <laughs> Andrew, uh, Andrew. They're all the shit I know, kind. I know. Be more specific. A-C-A-S-K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, and, I mean, this is actually maybe the most classic Bond. He fucked her and then sent her off to die. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he does. This, yeah, that is literally what he does. Wow. Love these so novels. The, book moves, uh, <laughs> the, the book's moving a little quicker now. Chapter 20, Time for Decision. See, not even time for all the words in a sentence. Bond and Lighter board a U.S. Navy submarine in order to pursue, to pursue Largo unnoticed. Okay, um, I legitimately nodded off about six times <laughs> while trying to get through the first, like, 14 chapters of this novel. When you say, like, it picks up in pace like honest to god these chapters go from being 30 pages long to five pages long yeah uh, it, like as much as we're about to get so many scenes of preparation once again right uh, like they are they are shorter we're getting to the point and like you can see the end in sight and they thank god reserve like enough time to make it a satisfying ending but oh boy my only note for this entire chapter is Another preparation chapter. Subs, sailors. That's I mean, it. <laughs> I have a couple. I have a couple more notes. The first one being the captain looked about forty. He had a square, rather Scandinavian face with a black crew cut, just going grey. He had shrewd, humorous eyes, but a dangerous mouth and jaw. Wow! Wow! I horny. Mean, so horny. At this stage, we could play fuck, marry, kill with the supporting male characters in this book, and I would be torn. I would have a hard time. Well, I have a surprise <laughs> for you, Andrew. We have a game at the end of this episode. Uh... <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, have to, we have to dreamcast this novel at some point, so that's going to be fun. I'm going to do so much research. Um, <laughs> also, Bond calls himself strictly a chocolate sailor. Okay, which is what? <laughs> such an interesting euphemism. Um, interesting. <laughs> This is a riff on the phrase chocolate soldier, which is apparently a soldier who would not fight but would look good in a uniform. Um, mm. Bond is talking about how he basically was a sailor who never never served on a ship because he's actually a spy. Um, but yes, calling yourself a chocolate sailor. Oh, the Ooh. things that that conjures up. James. Yeah, and, uh, we, 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 got, will, we can find will, a new euphemism. <laughs> all I will say is push out, James, push out. Push out, oh boy, Ooh, tighten up and push out. <laughs> Uh, oh no 21 very softly very slowly that couldn't have come at a better time that's what he said on board the disco largo has discovered domino using the geiger counter he informs his subordinate sorry he in- <laughs> that was just an amazing sequence of words that i was not expecting to say oh <sighs> He informs his subordinates that they must proceed with caution and kills one of them for challenging his plans. He decides to torture Domino. So dark. And yet the first thing I have to say is... (sighs) Oh no. Another ridiculous sentence. A dark torpedo leaving a deep, briefly creaming... Oh my god. God, Andrew. This book is too much. It's too horny. Are you sweating? I'm sweating. (laughs) (laughs) A dark torpedo leaving a deep, briefly creaming wake. I mean, for God's sakes, Ian. (laughs) Oh, put it in your pants, man. Oh, God. Uh, Like... (sighs) 
I, my notes are so so tame in comparison. <laughs> uh, I think it's weird that Largo didn't initially think of Bond and Lighter as possible spies, but mm-hmm. thank God he at least puts two and two together here, finally. Uh, and also, I love the way that Largo disposes of the Smirsh insurrectionist and then grabs a cigar and ice like he's about to have a cocktail party <laughs> with Domino. I'm off to see Domino, grabs the ice tray. <laughs> That is that is not what's happening. Here. No, no, it's so much darker and like disgusting. But I do like the idea that he's like, now I'm off to have a cocktail. <laughs> and you know, this book is getting serious when we are on our second bad guy kills yeah. subordinate, and it's not even the same bad guy. It's a different bad guy killing a different subordinate. Um, great, great. <laughs> really yeah, like, good stuff. We're, gonna, we're not we're not just doing that cliche once. We're doing it twice. We're yeah. really driving it home. Like 150 um, pages in, he's like, what haven't we done in a while in a in a novel? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah i haven't established that lago's a dick really with enough force <laughs> so i have to have him kill one of his like he's got to be like we got it we fell. got it yeah <laughs> i mean he's um, gotta be yet, n- oh, <laughs> <laughs> no one yeah big 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 hands big hands big hands uh, sorry, no one yeah. is paranoid enough in this book well, the caribbean is clearly too chillaxing because bond's like well lago might be a criminal but i don't know and lago's like well we might, guys be might be spies, spies. <laughs> on, you know during this Honestly. mission that we spent months preparing where nothing can go wrong and all of a sudden two people one english one american come out of the blue <laughs> to buy my island that i'm renting question mark and and they don't just come up to the island they find me on my boat question mark yeah. like oh my dudes oh, my dudes Everyone. it's all right there yeah dudes just be a bit skeptical like you're literally involved in international intrigue so yeah Ah, they're not good spies, Andrew. (laughs) Chapter 22, The Shadower. The submarine continues to pursue the disco. Oh my god, I really (laughs) thought that, like, this was gonna be it. Finally, we're getting into the water. Uh, but nope. Uh, we're we're still in this fucking submarine. (laughs) Bond orders some poached eggs in a submarine and then can't eat them. That's what happens in this chapter. He's like, oh, I really can't. Can't eat the uh, eggs right we now. get we get a description <laughs> of the mess hall, uh, and honestly, I doubt that a coat of pastel pink and green paint would make <laughs> a submarine mess hall feel any less claustrophobic than I'm sure it is. Like oh, bet they painted my- it so that the sailors would be a little more cheerful. I, I don't think that <laughs> color combo is making anyone feel particularly cheerful. I mean, it might be how I'd do my kitchen if I was going to be a mid-century, I don't know, pastel pink and green. There's something, something there. Yeah. Um, Okay, fine. (laughs) The captain here, the the handsome captain with the dangerous mouth, is all, um, I don't have a plan, you guys. I was, I thought you guys had a plan. I was (laughs) here to drive the, the... the boat (laughs) no one good at their jobs not even the people (laughs) are supposed to be good at their jobs uh and james says that lurking behind his concern about the whole operation was worry about the girl Uh, yeah lurking quite a few layers behind james let's be honest (laughs) yeah like that that curtain is closed in his mind i feel like you placed her in the danger you're worrying about let's just get that out there all right you told her to do this you and Mm -hmm. you you did it through subterfuge (laughs) (laughs) love love this character uh he says (laughs) skin diving happens to be one of my hobbies no shit Um, I mean, it's a lovely mental image of all these uh, sailor boys volunteering to to get in the water with James. Uh, I mean, incidental hotties, question mark, ten half-naked mm-hmm. sailors ready to die for their country. 
I mean, that bit's less of a turn on, but sure, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they do all take battle pills, which I, I just wrote. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Benzos? Uh... <laughs> I, well, I love that, like, Largo gives his crew Benzos, and he calls them Benzedrine <laughs> tablets, And but in the Navy, they have a nice word for it. Battle pills. Yeah. Battle pills. <laughs> Oh, I, I've had a few weekends of battle pills, and let me tell you, the hangover. Uh, also, you're, are you telling me that the only underwater weapons that the Navy has are MacGyvered spears? Like, they mm-hmm. grab knives from the mess hall, sharpen them to stilettos, and tape them to broomsticks to fight this underwater crew. Yeah. No one has ever thought of having a, a fight underwater before, so no one has any weapons for it. Wild. <laughs> Wild. Absolutely weird. Chapter 23, Naked Warfare. Okay, we're getting horny again. Bond, Liner, <laughs> and a team of US divers engage Largo's men in an underwater battle for the ages. Bond immobilizes the bomb. Bond and Largo fight, and Bond is almost defeated, but Domino saves him by killing Largo. This is all so much closer to the ending of Never Say Never Again. I Thunderball. No, I was so disappointed. <laughs> like, <laughs> how dare the better movie actually be far less like the, yeah. the good scene that happens here? Because, like we say, Bond immobilizes the bomb, and it's literally like, oh, he knocks it off its skidoo. Like, like it's, it's it like, is incidental. I, yeah. I I had to reread it to make sure, like, oh, oh, I guess they did take care of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a long way, you know, it wasn't a yeah. big deal. Just um, just this no nuclear getting... m- bomb hanging out in the middle of a battlefield. No one's getting radiation poisoning. It's yeah. fine. And, and there's a second one somewhere. Oh, we'll, we'll address it in the post. We'll, fi- we'll figure <laughs> it out. Yeah. <laughs> No one is actually naked in this naked no, warfare. Not so a single again, person. we've been teased with the word naked when it does not apply. Boo. Um, in fact, Largo's men are wearing compressed airspeed packs, so we're getting some jetpacks here, which is a lot of fun. Um, mm, I guess uh, tied back into our our friend on the Lake Niagara. So. Yes, Andy. Oh, shout out to Andy. <laughs> uh, Felix Leiter taken out. Almost immediately, after so much gusto about being able, I can do this, I can do this, guys, and then, oh, no, he's gone. Oh, we had to leave him behind. (laughs) Yeah, poor Felix, who we should remember has, like, a hook hand and a fake leg, and Mm -hmm. so, like, you know, we almost have a moment of empowerment for a a person with a disability, but no. And they take that away from us. Uh, uh, Even up until this, the second last chapter Everyone is putting so much stock in this fucking stupid treasure hunting cover story. Like, Bond, as they're swimming towards this battle, is like, well, if they get away, then they can just say that they were out treasure hunting. It's like, you are police. You are the Navy. You're the military. You don't need to tell anyone anything. You're just going to blow him up anyway. We all know that's what always happens to enemies of the state. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he he does tease Domino with the idea that he might go to prison and then rot in jail. And Domino's like, well, I guess that would be okay. Um, uh, actually, and then she's like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, I'm just going to grab this spear gun real quick. No reason. Um, no reason. Uh, oh, hey, I didn't know you would be here. <laughs> I just came for a little sport fishing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wild. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, people think Largo is a treasure hunter because he's so handsome and could be a pirate. And right, he- of course. That's a good, solid cover, Andrew. It's believable. <laughs> it 
Uh, I mean, it would work for me. <laughs> yeah, I, it already has. Uh, I do love this image of of Largo hunting Bond like an actual mm. shark. Uh, it finally, it, it feels very full circle. Like the the sea life has been terrifying Bond in this app this entire time but it's actually man he should be most terrified of it's so <laughs> so dumb but it is good he's like just swimming above him in the reef stalking it's it's so it's a it's very visual i love it man is the most dangerous game shane <laughs> it's true it's true that's what i've tattooed on my back <laughs> that's right tram stamp oh. actually <laughs> right on target chapter 24 take it easy mr bond oh again bond yeah, yeah. First lunch, last chapters. Same title. It's clever. It's an Ouroboros. Bond recovers in hospital. Lighter informs him that Largo's operation has been dismantled, but Blofeld oh, has off a screen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bond okay. and Domino are reunited. The end. I swear I'll never call a girl frail again. My reaction. Oh? Not an Italian girl, anyway. Oh. 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 <laughs> Uh, every good Bond novel ends with an intense info dump um, yeah. <laughs> where someone just walks into the hospital room where Bond is recuperating and says, well, here's what happened. Uh, yeah. Six American sailors died in the fright. Were there ten sailors? There were like, ten a- sailors. Jesus. That's that terrible. Is, that's awful. <laughs> like, so- Sorry, guys. Uh, maybe the the knife on the end of a kitchen knife on the end of a broomstick. Mm, well, yeah. Weapon, well, know. we'll tell your families you died heroically in a battle <laughs> that we can never tell them about. <laughs> yeah, he died doing Ooh. what he loved. Uh, Spearfishing. Spear <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a moment here where, where Domino gave a small sigh, pulled the pillow to the edge of the bed so it was just above him. And I thought, oh, oh my God, she's going to kill him. <laughs> oh, uh, oh I, I thought she was like getting ready to like top him. Oh, okay, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> No, she just wanted to be able to look at him. Which, oh. honestly, oh God, it's so <laughs> disgusting. But I thought it was a sweet romantic little ending. I thought it was so cute. Like they, do- other than the fact that he fucks her in the most egregious <laughs> way I've ever read, uh, like the fact that it doesn't end with him getting the girl in in like the typical way. Like he's so out of commission that he passed out, and she's like, <laughs> oh. My, my cardboard hero and just like pulls the pillow to look at him that's so sweet <laughs> and you know they'll they'll be for, together forever so uh, forever forever mm-hmm. andrew mm-hmm. anyways there's another bond novel right this is this was the last one <laughs> yeah that's right it, it all Great. ends here <laughs> happily ever after well let's talk about everything bond eats and drinks in thunderball we start off with a whiskey and soda to cure the hangover and then a hot vegetable soup in a plastic mug. Uh, he has an orange, some hot water, some hot soup, and multiple cups of tea filled to the brim with brown sugar. Very healthy. Yeah, honestly, he has that meal a few times in the novel. Yeah. I only put it in the one time. I don't think we needed it repeated. No. Uh, he then has a brandy, part of the champagne cure. Yes, of course. Uh, he eats spaghetti bolognese and Chianti at Lucien's in Brighton. Where all the good rent boys hang out, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He has a goat's milk yogurt, an energy roll, and black treacle. Uh, he has scrambled eggs, hickory smoked bacon, hot buttered toast, and coffee as soon as he leaves Shrubbins. <laughs> he has a vodka and tonic with a dash of bitters. Uh, followed by a double dry martini on the rocks. 
Native Seafood Cocktail Supreme Disjointed Home Farm Chicken and Sauté au Crescent. It's terrible. Sounds awful. Uh, one more double dry martini for the road. A plain tonic on the yacht. Uh, a double bourbon old-fashioned with lighter on their date. Then a small dry martini with a large olive, quickly replaced by a large dry martini with no olives and some slices of lemon peel on the side. Mm, uh, and of course, it wouldn't be a Bon novel without some champagne and caviar. And it may not be a Bon novel without a club sandwich, honestly. Yeah. A club sandwich and a double bourbon on the rocks. That's how I wash down my club sandwiches. Uh, he, of course, feasts on Miss Domino Vitale's foot. Mmm, delicious. And then has mm. a glass of iced water to, to wash it down. Wash the uh, fish spine <laughs> down, yeah. Uh, and then we finish off with some poached eggs, rye toast, and coffee in the submarine with a bunch of half-naked sailors. Yes, which he doesn't really eat because he's got other things on his mind. I mean, he's got all that prep time ahead of him. <laughs> they didn't have prep back then. Oh, wait. No, oh, you oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, underwater, something, uh, something. <laughs> and here's everything that Blofeld eats and drinks in Thunderball. Mm. A violet-scented cashew. And a second violet-scented cashew. He's so slim. simple tastes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Right, let's get into the highlights and lowlights of the book. Uh, let's kick off with your highlight, Shane. What do you got? You know, there's actually, uh, there's a lot of things to like in this book. I really like the, the, uh, car chase in London. That was, that felt fresh. But weirdly enough, I kind of loved the shrublin section. And maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm forgetting my reading of that wrong. But honestly, it's, it's funny. It's a little, it's obviously very dated, but we actually learned so much about James Bond himself that it, it, it feels the most fleshed out this character has ever been. How mm. about you, Andrew? I really enjoyed the Bond lighter bromance here. Mm. Like, the, the, the this is the most romantic uh, novel for sure between these two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also like Blofeld, like the you know the big sticking point of this novel and of the whole the Kevin McClory situation. It turns out it was a good idea. Like Blofeld mm -hmm. is a really he's he's introduced as a really threatening presence, and the idea of him being the villain behind the villain, uh, like that's something that they'll get a lot of material out of. Oh, years and decades and films galore. And some, some terrible movie choices. Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh, but there were some low lights here, Andrew. What was yours? So, on the one hand, sexually harassing Pat Fearing at the clinic. That's oh. not a good look. Um, but also, Bond has never gone down on a woman? Really? I, I mean, mean, he's shocking. supposed to be a Lothario. Are you... T oh, yeah. God. Men, men were crap. On. <laughs> uh, were. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, men are crap. Uh, what you. about you? <laughs> I mean, there are so many long stretches of preparation and boardroom <laughs> meetings and i thought that the films were slow <laughs> honestly this yeah this novel is too long fashion highlight i know you've got a good one for this oh i mean i had to go with domino uh at the casino in black with a square cut neckline one large diamond on a thin chain at her throat but also largo white ducks and a very wide mesh singlet that's <laughs> hot how about you? Yeah, you know, you know, he's filling out that wide mesh single. Oh, I also in so went many with ways. Largo, Largo in his white shark skin jacket mm. that his muscles are bulging out of. Um, I don't even know really what a white shark skin jacket is, but in my head, it's very Eurocamp. You know, a hundred percent. I, it's just so strange how differently they cast Largo for the film. Mm -hmm. 
It, yeah. Wild, just wild. Uh, the queerest moment in the novel for you? I have so much. I think <laughs> the cruising the tea rooms, um, mm-hmm, Bond, mm-hmm. I fucking Lippy and mm-hmm, Lighter mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, Santos mm-hmm, and the captain of the submarine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm going to give it to the player cigarette sailor because that is just <laughs> a homoerotic that. piece of writing from, yeah. from Fleming. I what mean, did you, put? Uh, you, you nailed all of them. I'm just going to throw in <laughs> the Bond flirting with his cab driver as well, just to round it out. Like he really How did does. I forget? <laughs> honestly, he wants to fuck every man in this novel, and there are so many he men. That it's it's understandable that you forgot the first love of the of this <laughs> story. And honestly, this was my sexiest moment of the the book as well. Every man in this novel is a stone mm-hmm. cold hunk a hunk, and Fleming goes all out describing these men like he describes his women. Yeah. Um, it's such there's such bisexual energy exuding from this novel. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. Uh, the sexiest, sexiest moment, moment for me, I would say, to a room full of sailors, skin diving happens to be one of my hobbies. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty hot. I, I've said that I mean, in a I'm... room full of men before. <laughs> oh yes, I, I long for the days. Um, <laughs> best line or gag? I'm giving this to May, encouraging Bond to eat garbage because a real man cannot survive on yogurt alone. Well, and also um, shout out to Money Penny for feeling the exact same way. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I I went with this is the first time I've eaten a woman. They're rather good. That it's, it <laughs> is a good line. It he's an awful it human being, but that's a good fucking line. <laughs> What was the most timeless or relevant moment for you, Andrew? The the fact that Blofeld says that communication is the secret to world domination. 100% true. He Ugh. nailed it. And you? I went with, we should all take care of our health from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only from time to time, not all the time. Well, I mean, that's difficult, Andrew, and I don't have that much time. Uh, and there were so many cringy moments. And I know you have a good one for us. Honestly, oh, this is this is something we did not we did not mention in the recap, but I have to call it out. When yeah, Bond is talking to Lighter. Uh, he talks about uh, how England is still seems to be engaged in so many conflicts and wars. He says, "Oh, perhaps it's just that in England we don't feel quite as secure as you do in America. The war just doesn't seem to have ended for us. Berlin, Cyprus, Kenya, Suez. Oh gosh, hmm. James, I wonder what's what the unifying there. what's the unifying <laughs> thing there? Hmm. Let me huh. think about this. I'll get back to you. Why? Uh, why is global security not?" such a good thing for the british i just can't oh god i can't i can't (laughs) put my union jack pin on it uh crazy Uh, just wild cringiest moment i mean we talked about it a bunch it's having sex with domino to i don't know lighten the mood (laughs) right i mean you're gonna get her real down in a sec when you tell her about giuseppe patacci but at least um, you get at least you got up first so there's that uh uh all right, now it's time for our ratings. We will give the novel a score between one and three, then award bonus points from four categories, which are Bondian competence, accidental progressiveness, <laughs> queerness, and glamour. Uh, let's start with our base scores. Uh, I am going to say this is a solid two for me. It's interesting. It, I, th- I thought you might go for a three on this one. You know, in my memory, I thought this was a three, but <laughs> the lag that is experience like i thought this was supposed to be a well-paced book but actually the pacing is so wonky that i yeah. I have to take a point away from it not to mention like yeah the the sexual exploits here are downright disturbing and yeah it 
It's a two for good reason, but it is a good two. Like, I like this novel, and I do recommend it. It is one of the lesser racist of them. Oh my god. It's a low (laughs) bar, people. It's a low fucking bar, but yeah, two. What about you? Yeah, I also gave it a two. It's Mm, like, there are mm. some great flourishes, some really lovely writing. It feels very much like Fleming was very comfortable and confident with the character. I mean, you know, he's, what, seven novels in? Of course he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But But still, uh, so many questions remain about the other four writers of this novelization, right? Like, how much of it was Fleming? And it just isn't quite, it's just not tight enough. It doesn't yeah. quite, it, it's not, you can see a better novel in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and to some extent, the fact that it was a screenplay first, I think has to be the reason for some of that. Yeah, that's um, a big part of it, for sure. Uh, oh, Bondian competence, huh? What do you what do you think about that for this novel? I mean, he's <sighs> really not not keeping up at any point. I'm, I mean, it's it's, it's got to be a zero, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've written multiple times like, oh, he's behind on the plot. Oh, he's three steps behind. Oh, he has no idea what's happening. (laughs) He does not know what is happening in this entire... Like, it's even, as you said, up to the very end, he's like, well... He might uh, still just be a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) I can see the bomb, but there's part of me that's like, maybe... (laughs) Okay, this is going to be weird, (laughs) but I'm going to tie two points in together. Accidental progressiveness and queerness... I think it kind of gets a point for each because of how accidentally queer this novel is. Interesting. I mean, okay, let's go straight to the queerness because I agree with you. This novel is so homoerotic. So weirdly homoerotic, yeah. For me, for sure. Um, But do you agree with me on the progressiveness? Yeah, I'm going to say no, because one of the things I love about Thunderball the movie is the roles for women, and that is not mm. captured by the book. Um, Fair. Like, as you said, it's it's less racist. There's only mm-hmm. one character being treated as a, as a caricature, um, and plus, you know, a little anti-Asian racism thrown in just, just for... Just color. a smidgen. Oh, Ugh. Andrew, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> just for... Uh, depth flavor oh boy uh, this, this is going to be the episode that gets us cancelled <laughs> oh again I, I, again I, just, I don't i don't have the bandwidth to be cancelled again call um, jk <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, anyway i'm not giving it the point of progress okay no yeah, yeah okay it's a good splitting of the difference i think uh okay and this one i am i think i need to hear your thoughts on it before i can give an answer okay, what do you think about yeah. the glamour in this novel you know yeah it's 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 a tough one um, because it's a little like here the food, and there. Yeah, the food is like we, both described as awful. The food, <laughs> yeah, the food there's, there barely is a good meal in the whole thing. Like the best meal in this is like is the champagne and caviar or the full English breakfast that make mm-hmm. it full full Scottish breakfast. And well. that is a repeat um, from many other novels. Yeah, there's nothing new or fresh here, food-wise. Um, like, the locations are very glamorous, but we don't spend a lot of time, apart from in the water, really getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the women aren't present in the way that they are in the movie. And yet, in spite and of all that, and in spite yet, of right? the, the first part of the book all being set in a health club, this feels glamorous. This book right? is glamorous. Okay, I'm so glad I'm not alone on fe- in feeling this way. There's something so jet set 60s mm-hmm. uh indulgence like the like the health spa is for rich people right back then it's right. not something that a poor person does taking care of themselves it's something that people with excess money have, and honestly still today that is the case uh 
so that in its in and of itself makes it feel like a whole bunch of attention is paid to you know people living the largest kind of lifestyle i guess yeah. we're giving it the glamour point both of us aren't we i think so and, and yeah. the other thing i will say is largo is maybe the most glamorous bond villain yeah a hundred percent i mean shark skin jacket that sounds yeah. expensive to say let alone wear <laughs> yeah the man is is hot He's a playboy, he's confident, he he drinks creme de month frappes. I mean, what's not glamour? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you should see me in my fucking hoodie and jeans, sipping on my creme de menthe frappe right now. I am the height of glamour, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets the point. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What's that give us? That's a... Four, four and a half? That's a four and a half out of se- a possible 007. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, once again, no idea what anything else has been rated. We have a wonderful fan out there keeping track for us. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to finding out what I've done. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Next time on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we will be talking about GoldenEye 007, Ooh. the 1997 video game for the Nintendo 64 that revolutionized the first-person shooter and was recently re-released for the Nintendo Switch. I'm told this is a game you play on a computer. Is that correct, Shane? A computer game? I think actually it's a video <laughs> game, Andrew. Oh, you play it on uh, a video. Okay. Yes, yeah. You turn on your VHS player. <laughs> you have to connect a whole bunch of what. Anyways... We is it a bit t- like that that table that Largo has in Never Say Never Again? <laughs> oh, wow. Full. <laughs> I'm giving you a standing ovation. That was a full circle moment. That was unexpected. You can follow Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on Twitter and Instagram at KKBBPod or send us Thunderballer messages or just, you know, glowing, lovely messages like oh, Andy. Yes. To kisskissbangbangpod at gmail.com. That's kisskissbangbangpod at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter accounts at Wheeler and at Shane Came Back. And we ask that you please share, like, rate, review Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on your preferred podcasting and social media platforms. And check out our Discord. I'm terrible at social media. I'm so sorry I don't keep up with it. But it is there and we welcome conversation. Our graphics are provided by the thunderous Carl Shura. You can follow follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Carl Shura. That's C-A-R-L-S-H-U-R-A. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is recorded in Toronto on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. We acknowledge that we are settlers on unceded territory. And as you know, we like to end every episode with a great piece of Bond-related music. And Andrew, it's your turn. What are we signing off with this week? Didn't know this, but Ian Fleming's sister was a classical cellist. uh, Oh. Quite a respected one. Um, So I almost picked something from her, but maybe I'll save that for another episode. Her name was Amaryllis Fleming. Can you imagine? I'm sorry. Your son, Ian, and your daughter, Amaryllis. It's the most Bond girl name. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, uh, That speaks so much to why he names people. (laughs) Loelia Ponsonby. I'm just going to say that name. Uh, (laughs) I mean, cellist. Andrew, there is a whole movie developed voted to a cello so that's say, right that's right keep that in your hat uh <laughs> <laughs> oh we'll get there 
This is the theme from a 1959 Troy Donahue movie that has endured in the culture much more than the movie itself. It is the theme from A Summer Place, and you will recognise it basically as the music that sort of tells you that everything seems fine, but maybe there's something weird going on beneath the surface. Like, it's been used a lot of for, like, sort of, like, a step... Pleasantville. Type. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the vibe wow. that I get from it. Uh, the reason I picked it, not just because it's a 50s, 60s piece of, of culture... Uh, so it is contemporaneous to the, the novel Thunderball, but it was one of Ian Fleming's picks when he appeared on the BBC radio show Desert Island Discs, which is huh. a show where uh, celebrities pick the eight records mm-hmm. they would take with them to a desert island. It is a very long-running show. It is still on the air on huh. uh, BBC Radio to this day. And yeah, Ian Fleming was on it in the mid-60s, and he picked this. He picked Rosemary Clooney's This Old House, Edith Piaf's La Vie en Rose, and Anton Karras's iconic Third Man theme. He was a populist when it came to music. He did not have like elitist tastes uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He was basically listening to pop music. But also, I mean, Rosemary Clooney and Edith Piaf. Oh, yeah. Andrew, <laughs> th- things, things are solidifying about some of my theories about Ian Fleming <laughs> in a way that I never even expected. This, this podcast has become more an essay on uh, a gender and sexual identity <laughs> in the 1950s and 60s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even this tune is like, it's campy. Like It's, it's, it's so campy. I did not know, like, I knew this tune, but I didn't know what it was, and I kind of, I guess I always assumed that it was, like, a piece of classical music, but actually it's so kitsch that it makes so much more sense that it's a piece of, like, it's a 50s... Of course it's the 50s, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Super campy, super gay. I mean, great pick. (laughs) (laughs) What, that was the most appropriate way to end all of this talk of sailors and and (laughs) half-naked men. Thank you for listening, and until next time... Kiss, kiss. A bang, bang. Wow. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.